The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's feeling a lot like Christmas. Welcome. I guess uh, it's going to be our second last show of the year, but it's going to be great. I think I got uh, the uh, guest of the year about to join us, Mr. George Genericus. Right? Genericus. Genericus. We covered Generac, so it's yeah. very, very similar. Gener- okay, I can tell you a story about Generac. Um, this is a great story about Generac, George. I want you, George, I want you to listen to the story about Generac, okay? I'm going to teach you something about tax, and I'm going to make you feel good. Uh, we bought Generac for our clients after I went to the Canaccord Growth Conference in Boston. It's an annual conference that Canaccord puts on, and it's, it's all about new, uh, evolving, emerging companies uh, with big growth. Um, saw a company called Generac, and very intrigued by the story, bought the stock. I think I paid $89 or $69 U.S. for the stock. Two years later, the stock's trading over $500. I said, it's time to give some money to charity. Friends, if you have stock, never, ever, ever write a check to charity. I said, don't give the charity any money. Give them stock. I said, give the charity stock. Here's why. So I paid 89 bucks, call it 80 bucks for the stock. It was $500. So I said, Jack, transfer over some certificates to Covenant House. And about a $20,000 donation I made. Uh, I paid 80, stock's 500. I had a capital gain of $420. Well, when I donate the stock to charity, I don't have to pay the capital gain tax. That, by the way, would have been, ooh, 400. It would have been $200 a share in tax I would have paid. Um, excuse me, $100 a share in tax I would have paid. I would have half his tax. No, no, 200 bucks, uh, excuse me, uh, 250, 200. I would have had to pay 100 bucks in tax uh, on that capital gain. Um, but, no, if you donate the stock, you get to give the charity the full amount, which is $500. And I got my full tax credit, uh, which was about $10,000. Uh, my total cost for that stock was $3,000. So I paid $3,000 for the stock, I gave it to charity, and I saved myself ten in taxes. <laughs> so by giving, making a $20,000 donation, I still netted out seven grand on the deal. What do you think of that, George? That's pretty good. I'll have to figure that out for next time. The name of the game. The name of the game is to give a stock that you're going to have a big embedded capital gain tax on. Don't pay the tax. Give the stock to charity. You get full market value uh, when they calculate your tax credit. And that's what you receive when you make a donation of tax credit. And Jack reminded me of a good point uh, coming down to the studio today. And that is a tax credit reduces your tax owing. So it doesn't matter what your tax bracket is. What matters when it comes to charitable giving is how much you give. The name of the game is to sort of get to that maximum threshold. And I don't have that number for you. It's a few thousand dollars in, in Canada, but don't give 50 to 100 bucks. You get virtually no tax credit. But once you get into the several thousand dollars, you basically get a 50% tax credit and that reduces tax owing. So once again, on the Generac deal, yes, I gave away $20,000 worth of stock that cost me, I think three or 4,000, uh, but I got a $10,000 tax credit. So net, net, I still uh, benefited by $7,000. So it's not just how much you give that matters. It's how you give it, right? In cash versus in kind. It's called in kind giving when you donate a stock. And the fact is actually, are you talking about George here? In Canada, it's very different than in the US. So obviously you have to check the jurisdiction that you're in. But Americans actually give a lot more than Canadians do, believe it or not. 
I thought you were here on Bay Street, George. I didn't realize you were an American. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're, and, and you live in Boston. Oh, I would have. I would have. I got some special music for you at the the next break, coming coming out of the next break, my good friend. Um, George, you cover some fascinating <laughs> and highly topical, almost dramatic uh, companies uh, and people. Uh, I'm not sure. Is Tesla Musk or is Musk Tesla? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, is a company or man, man, man or company? Because there's so much to talk about. The the Tesla company is unbelievable. Or is, Te- or is Tesla Twitter, Twitter Wolf, because it seems like that's really affecting the stock right now, too. That's just it. There's a, there's a number of balls up in the air. And, well, I guess Elon is a juggler, keeping them uh, afloat trying, so far. Um, but let, let's, let's begin with, because I want to talk about nuclear. Uh, I want to talk then about EV. I want to talk about uh, what is on Mr. Musk's mind. And I'm sure you know exactly what's on his mind. George, that's your job after all, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's start with Tesla. Uh, Tesla is so much more than a car company. Uh, I'm going to throw that statement over to you, George. I want you to back that up. Tesla is so much more than a car company. 100%. I mean, look, you know, we're uh, a sustainability research team here at Canaccord. I'm very happy to be covering the space. You know, but I spent the vast majority of my career covering tech stocks. And the vast majority of that, by the way, on the buy side here in Boston. And, you know, I've been through these debates before, you know, is, you know, uh, why does Apple, and this is an old argument, trade at a premium to traditional handset companies? Why does Netflix trade at a premium to traditional media companies? Because they have a lot of tech assets and they leverage technology to change and upend, basically, the industries that they're, that they're in. And Tesla's very similar. You know, we, we title Tesla the sustainability behemoth because it does a lot of other things. Right now, the P&L is dominated by consumer EVs, but if you look at the full array of products the company has and will continue to offer into the marketplace, it includes things like energy storage. I mean, they're they're starting to ship a, a semi, a class A truck. They're in residential solar. Uh, they have uh, full self-driving software, which you know is related, but takes them into the whole tech realm. They're developing robo-taxis, and, and interestingly and importantly, they're also developing robots. You know, there's a lot of skepticism as to how successful they'll be, but I find that one of the most fascinating things about their robot is that uh, it actually has you know, full self-driving software that, that, that Tesla is using for their vehicles will be leveraged by the robot. So when people you know, kind of really pick on, picked on and continue to pick on Tesla for developing a full self-driving suite, that leverages only cameras and maybe a little bit of radar. Well, that's because they're going to take that same technology and use it for their robots. So there's there's method to the madness, so to speak. So yes, Tesla is much more than a, than a car company. It's a technology company that makes cars. Again, and you break down the vague, these are not little appendages that are on Tesla. Uh, the, the silos of operating cash flow uh, and business potential are very significant So and have, therefore, a lot of value. Uh, briefly, just back of the envelope, can you break down the, 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 the key components that, that derive a Tesla's value or share value? Sure. You know, I, I say this a lot. I consider myself sort of a, a meat and potatoes analyst. And so to the extent there are earnings on a company that a company generates and Tesla as a luxury of generated earnings after many years of not doing so, well, then it's, you know, we can try to apply a PE multiple. And so the way uh, we look at Tesla is you know, relative to other uh, tech companies, large cap tech companies. So in, in our, you know, work, we look at uh, Alphabet, 
Meta, NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. These are some of the very, very large tech companies that, that we comp Tesla against. And just to, to put it bluntly, it's incredibly appealing relative to that comp group. I mean, it's going to grow, according to fact set, you know, relative to our estimates, they're going to grow over three times as fast from a revenue and earnings perspective. And they're trading at a discount to those companies from a PE. Uh, we think it's it's an it's an absurd re- valuation relative to, to uh, that comp group, and even relative to the S and P. Look, um, the S and P trades at eighteen, according to to Tony Dwyer, eighteen times twenty twenty three earnings estimates, eighteen times. Mm-hmm. Tesla trades at 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 twenty one times twenty twenty three, and I can I mean I there's no guarantees in life, but I think it's a safe bet that Tesla will grow significantly faster than the S and P for years to come. So. Any way you slice it, it's a very, very attractive valuation. Look, you know, we wrote a note yesterday that talks about how Tesla's Q4, in addition to all the Twitter drama that we all know about, and, it, and it's frankly, it's hard to manage. There are issues right now in, in, in their business. You know, uh, the overall demand, the data points that we all try to pick up and 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 uh, analyze, they're not great. I mean, the China EV demand has been weak for, for several months. Uh, you know, CarMax today reported a negative quarter. And it seems like the U.S. auto markets, you know, true consumer markets are weakening. Uh, there have been some price cuts. There have been rumors of, of uh, hiring freeze and layoffs. So things right now for, for Tesla in the overall auto market are not uh, spectacular. But I will say we have a high degree of conviction that they'll continue to grow through this next year and and possibly reaccelerate growth in 24 and 25. But the point I want to I want you to lay out for us is the car company itself is worth how much? The power business, the storage business is worth X. The software yeah. business is worth X. The mobility business is worth X. So it, it's, it's the subcomponents that actually I find very, very intriguing. It's sort of yeah. so it, it's thrown in. There, 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 there are a couple of extra options just thrown in. Yeah, we, we haven't. Um, there are other analysts. And, you know, like I said, when I was on the buy side, I saw these some of the parts kind of uh, analyses. We haven't done that. Oh, you haven't seen that yet. Yeah. There's a reason for that because the way I think of the company is that there's, there's this group of assets, you know, whether it's EVs or storage or robotics, and they all come together to generate this number for earnings. Fair enough. So, you know, I, I, yeah, that we're purists. In that yeah, yeah, but I, I guess it was Morgan Stanley who laid out, I guess, a partner of Canaccord's, and I have access to their research, which is so powerful. Yeah. I think I think the, they broke it out. Um, the, the, the contract uh, with their... Uh, I guess their first semi truck uh, uh, to Pepsi. Well, Pepsi was very, very intriguing. Uh, I, I never saw a photo of the of the vehicle uh, with with the Pepsi uh, you know graphics on it. But it, it, the interior photos I've seen of their new semis look unbelievably futuristic and so much easier to operate than a regular uh, truck. Don't uh, I assume they are? Are they, George? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Tesla is nothing other than a company that makes the uh, the. Uh, difficult, simple, you know, and even if you look at their traditional EVs, so you go inside, it's like iPhone-esque in the sense that the the aesthetics are very simple and easy to use. Uh, and it's the same thing with the truck. I mean, they've, they've applied their learnings from uh, from consumer vehicles and applied them to the Class 8 uh, market. And so that, that's one very, very appealing part of the, of their, the vehicle that at least we've seen pictures of, right? I, mean, I wasn't in it. It looks really cool, you know, out from the outside. It looks really interesting from the inside. Very, very simple to operate. That's what the company claims as well. It, we'll we'll see how much traction it gets. But it's one of these green shoots that we talk about for next year. 
that despite you know there being a general market malaise and economic worries, we think Tesla can grow and power through it because they have things like the Cybertruck coming next year, ramping volumes of this of the what we call the Model Eight, but it's their their Class Eight semi. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Technology is just that. Uh, if you're just tuning in, Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto, show about money. Uh, Jack Inland, Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, Wolfgang Klein, Wasi, Portfolio Manager. Privileged to spend some time this evening with uh, George Agenericus. He is our sustainability analyst, uh, live from Boston. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, get right back to George. We're talking electrification. We're going to talk nuclear. It's going to get hot. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Because our guest is from Boston, George Generikas, our sustainability analyst from Boston, lovely, lovely town. You know, and, and that, that uh, soundtrack, to me, it's comfort food. That show used to be comfort food. A little bit of stress I'd watch. Cheers for 22 minutes. And, uh, well, I giggled and laughed and enjoyed it. It was a good show. Um, thanks for joining us, George. Appreciate it. You cover Tesla. And you also cover uh, the nuclear space. That's very exciting. We actually had some people who worked. Uh, was it Darlington, Jack? A couple of clients of ours work at uh, uh, the nuclear facility in Ontario. I think it's Darlington. Yeah, I think it was a Pickering uh, one. It was a Pickering? Pickering power plant yeah. with yeah. OPG. Very, very cool. Um, very knowledgeable, for sure. Yeah, we learn a lot. Uh, a lot of security. Don't try to bomb the place. There's lots of security. A lot lots, of of rob- c- lots of cement in there. A lot of cement, a lot of security. Um, and they're very pro the uh, these new um, modular uh, portable uh, reactors. We're going to talk to George about that later in the show. Yes, nuclear is going portable. I wonder if they ever power a car with nuclear. Uh, is that possible, George? Can you put on your physics hat, your safety hat? I mean, uh, well, not directly, but indirectly, right? You generate the electricity that, that yeah. powers the car. Fair, sure. fair enough. <laughs> I saw your table, by the way, and I wish I, I left my notes in the car with that bottle of wine someone gave me. It was a bag, right? I went through no more plastic bags, I think, next year, so I had to recycle that wine bag. It was going to be walking around with paper wine bags now to bring the lunch to work. I am. Um, but you had a great table uh, as to the amount of electrification each country generates with nuclear. Uh, and I always knew France was well over 50%. Our, for, our, our friends, our poor friends in Ukraine, they now have these big uh, <laughs> nuclear plants uh, under the uh, risk of Russian invasion. That was a story early on. That was frightening. Just a reminder as to why nuclear you know, has to be respected. Uh, but Germany, a very, very low consumption uh, around nuclear. Uh, that I found very surprising. I think they're going to have to pivot towards more nuclear. What's, what's your opinion on that, George? Yeah, I mean, uh, it actually came up. So we just had Luske, uh, which we do not cover, just so you know. Very informational note, but no opinion on the equity. Um, covering his butt, friends. Full disclosure, covering <laughs> his butt. We want to keep George out of that. He does what George does not want to be in an orange jumpsuit. 
and that's fine. I don't want no, you. I don't, I don't want you. No, no. But so no, no official coverage. But that's okay. We're just speaking openly. Not, not my color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, um, you know, Germany came up quite a bit, and it's just, you know, uh, we put in our recent Tesla note uh, a quote by Elon Musk called "Fate loves irony," and I think it's very similar here that you know, right before. Russia attacked Ukraine. Uh, Germany shut down uh, one of its last nuclear power plants, and which like kind of tipped them over the edge uh, for this crisis. So, you know, what's happened yeah. very recently is post the energy crisis and, and with this renewed push to renewables. After years and years of years uh, of people being worried about nuclear and something called a you know, psychological dread by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, we're starting to see a renaissance and an increased interest in nuclear, just because when you think about it, it's baseload, meaning that you know, the power generated by nuclear power plants is uh, is consistent. It doesn't uh, go up and down like, like uh, solar power or wind power do based on the sun shining or the wind blowing. Mm-hmm. And it's green, you know, it's clean. You know, we're not burning fossil fuels and it's good, so it's therefore good for the environment. Now there are questions around where you put the nuclear waste that have to be dealt with. But generally, it's considered uh, a very, very powerful solution to solve our clean energy needs. And so, you know, there's certainly significant interest. And uh, Germany seems to be on, on the other path right now, maybe because there's just inertia, and they, they were powering down a lot of their plants uh, after the Fukushima nuclear incident. So hopefully they turn the table, but it's very hard to know. You know but well, yeah, but wasn't the, Germany also in, I won't say cahoots, but they were negotiating, working with Russia for a pipeline, I think. Uh, and they, they also shut that down uh, during the invasion. Uh, so I think they put themselves yeah. into a little bit of a uh, corner. But I do want to talk about the portability of nuclear, because that's very fascinating. And then our friends from uh, the power plant said that they're using spent rods, spent fuel, to power these portable units, which sounds very, very good. And then your report says that we can use the old coal plants to house new portable uh, reactors. That, too, seems to be very, very cool. But let's stick with first with Tesla. You know, the company is one thing, but the company has this overarching demigod, um, who I, by the way, adore, uh, Mr. Musk. I just, I think he's just unbelievable to uh, have in this world. We need people like him on the planet at all times. And, uh, uh, but uh, he, he's a challenge for some. Uh, others scratch their heads and, well, you know, uh, the more you love, the more you hate it, I guess. So I think he has a pretty big hate camp, too. Um, have you actually had a time to, had the, had the privilege to sit down with uh, Mr. Musk, George? Not for a prolonged period, but, you know, I've been to the, the plant several times and had to, you know, got a handshake in. But we, I haven't had the ability, you know, to spend like an hour of, with the man, uh, you, you, even though I think did, it was... Did you wash your hand or did you keep it, did you keep, hang on to that for... <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not Some people wouldn't wash that hand for a few days. Uh, that, that, did you get, did you get a, a little photo op, a little Instagram, a little selfie? Yeah, yeah no, this is before, uh, yeah, yeah. No selfie with, with uh, I'd be self, uh, oh man, be all about Jack, stop, uh, Jack, take the, oh God. Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about Mr. Musk. Um, is he spread too thin? Uh, you know, Tesla is such a great company. It's an important company. Uh, him dealing with Twitter is just a distraction, says the street. What do you think? You know, um, so I've been covering Tesla, and not for Can Accord, but in other uh, in other places, you know, for a long time. Um, not quite from the IPO, but right after it. And it's been a decade of controversy, <laughs> uh, to, to, to put it mildly. You know, look, we, we put out like I'm talking about this note uh, we put out yesterday or this morning, 
and we put a collage of pictures together because the latest uh, controversy is that uh, based on the things that are happening at Twitter, that people will shy away from buying Teslas. Well, I mean, let's list off just a few of the things that have happened over the last 10 years. You have vehicles in the very beginning were catching fire. You had battles with the security, the SEC, the U.S. SEC. There have been allegations of fraud, fears of bankruptcy, marijuana smoking on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we've just scratched the surface of, of the things that have been controversial. So if you could literally withstand you know, uh, your vehicles catching on fire, you know, I'm not so sure that this is the thing that's going to tip the, the How balance. about the concept car? Uh, what happened with the concept car uh, on stage? That was funny. Yeah, the, I mean, he, he, the, the truck, his concept was, truck. Yeah, the cyber truck. That he told people that it was basically it could resist scratches from being thrown heavy, having heavy objects thrown at it, and then it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah he so, took a, he took a sledgehammer to it, didn't he? And they broke the window or something. Yeah, yeah he broke the window. So these are all <laughs> <laughs> that was. But he, you know something? He maintained composure. He really did. Yeah. He, he held it together quite well. It's a live audience. Oh my God, I would have melted. Laughing. Yeah, I yeah, actually laughed at it. Oops. Oh well. But back, back see, you, you go through you go through all those things, George. You talk about what he's done with you know vehicles and batteries and fires and allegations with the SEC, <laughs> bankruptcy. He came out on top. He didn't go bankrupt. Obviously, close a couple of times. Uh, question would be: Is you know last decade was a decade for taking risk. The more risk that you took, the better you did. The more leverage you took on, the better you did. Is his management style conducive to the new environment that we're in now? Or, you know, people are focused on cash flow. They want growth, but they want to make sure that it's profitable. They want to manage risk. Do you see him having a, obviously the next decade is going to be interesting for him, but do you see his management style working throughout the next decade? I Look, the good news is that at, at a time now where capital is precious and it's very, very hard to raise it, uh, Tesla is self-funding. I mean, they're cash flow positive. Um, they can still walk and chew gum now. They have plenty of ability to continue to grow their gigafactories. And so that's one thing that one hump that was very difficult to get over in the past. And they've had multiple raises at inopportune times. And now it feels like we're, we're, we're past that, at least with this company. Twitter's a whole other, you know, uh, kettle of fish that I, you know, I don't cover that, st- that stock. At least I didn't cover it in the past. And Look, um, I, I don't, I find it hard to doubt this particular guy because he was so ahead of the curve on so many of the things. Let me give you an example. You know, in, in conversations about building, when it was a good thing that people wanted him to build more and more factories, this is right after the IPO, people asked him why he wasn't going even faster to build batteries for cars or to help, at the time, help build batteries for cars. And he basically, he made the other, well, there's not enough lithium in the ground. And at that particular time, you know, it wasn't a thing to talk about, but he had already done the math around how much lithium he's going to need and how many batteries he's going to need to build the cars that he needs. And right now, he's put up the company in a place where they're way ahead of the curve. And as a matter of fact, we've seen multiple traditional OEMs who a couple of years ago steered the ship and said, we're going to build all these EVs and we're going to crush Tesla and we're going to be the EV champion. And now, slowly but surely, they're starting to waffle because they realize they don't have the stuff that it takes to get that done. And not only do they not have the stuff that it takes, they're actually doubting their ability to bring costs down and make EVs at a profitable level. I mean, look at what Toyota said recently. VW Group was going all in, and then they just kind of steered in the other direction a little bit. Stellantis, BMW. I mean, they all kind of made these grand splashes to making EVs, and they're realizing that it's going to be a lot harder than they said. 
And, and Tesla's in a place where they make EVs, they make them profitably, they have higher operating margins than anybody in the auto industry. Wow. And this is what we talk about, yeah, being um, uh, drawing the analogy between Apple and Tesla. It's almost like there, if there are 100 things that, about Tesla, 90 of them are like Apple. Is Apple going to build a car? Probably, yeah. But it's taken them forever. Is Tesla going <laughs> to come up with a phone? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't like it to see it. All. I wouldn't like to see it personally because they have enough things to do. But there's a company in China called Neo that's starting to make or hopes to make phones. So, yeah, my, my my son my son mentioned that company to me, Neo. Uh, we got about sixty seconds. Well, quick, quick, say, quick, it's, it's funny you mentioned those two names, Apple and then Tesla. Obviously, we've been talking about them, but the fact is, in the first segment, George was he mentioned both companies make difficult things simple, right? The Apple device. <laughs> When you have your grandparents on them and using them very easily, Absolutely, yeah. or a four-year-old, my four, five, six-year-old daughter, as she was, you know, six-year-olds are using these products. I don't expect six-year-olds to be, you know, driving a car, but you know, who knows if they uh, if they go remote uh, with the vehicles or if they go driverless, and maybe you'll yeah. have a little young child in there. We're talking tech. We're talking right. electrification. Elon Musk front and center in the discussion. We're going to pivot into what's going on in Texas, what's going on in Berlin uh, with uh, George Generakis. He is our sustainability analyst uh, in Boston, spending some time with us this evening. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to pick his brain and learn as we go. Uh, quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. I'm guided by the beauty of our weapons. First, we take Manhattan. Then we take Berlin. Welcome back. 640 Toronto Hi-Fi Radio. A little Leonard Cohen for you. We're talking Tesla with our analyst, George Generikas. Uh, is it called Giga Texas? Giga Berlin? Uh, the battery plants that Tesla uh, has built in Texas and Berlin? Is it just for batteries? Yes. No, no, no vehicle no. production. No, these are vehicle production facilities as well. Oh, they are. So so how many countries is Tesla now producing vehicles in, George? Well, we have the United States, we have uh, Germany, and we have China. And uh, there's a rumor that uh, Mexico is next, but we'll see. How and there's actually a rumor a couple months ago that Canada would be next. So we'll see who wins, U.S., Canada, or Mexico. It does a, a report, I think, out of Morgan Stanley, uh, says the EV market will be oversupplied next year uh what do you think of that george little too too many cars next year uh, it's hard to believe but uh, i mean look the issue is for uh the ev market is that it's not just about uh making the cars and having the manufacturing capacity to do that but you also have to secure supply chain mm-hmm. and and the securing the supply chain doesn't just mean battery materials it means semiconductors and it's a Making a, a vehicle is probably the most complex uh, product in the world just because there are so many inputs and so much manufacturing expertise that goes into it. So I don't worry about EV oversupply. I mean, look, we might have a, a general supply issue with, with um, 
used cars. I mean, I don't follow CarMax, but I'm very interested to see what they had to say about the market uh, because that stock's trading down, and they, they mentioned specifically that there was an issue at the high end. Um, but with EVs specifically, I just I'm not I don't know if I agree with that sentiment. You know, you know, Tesla will is is ramping its own manufacturing, and you know they were supposed to get to about forty thousand a week uh, in production by the end of this year, uh, probably around ish two million by next year, and uh, they should probably be able to sell just about as many cars as they can make. About two million cars. George, George, can you about. speak to the government incentives around electric vehicles, Inflation Reduction Act? Sounds like near-term headwinds, uh, just because it takes a bit of time to, to get into place, and people are, you know, p- postponing their purchases until uh, they get those rebates. And then maybe what uh, what Tesla's doing in the meantime. Yeah. So the Inflation Reduction Act has um, incentives around purchasing EVs that kick in next year. The it makes it it's pretty convoluted though because there are certain income uh, caps and price caps that are embedded in there, and there are also uh, materials caps, meaning that uh, you had to have a certain percentage of your of the battery and vehicle uh, materials from uh, the United States. And be- because they're so complex that the, the U.S. government, a couple of the Treasury Department a couple of days ago said they're going to relax those uh, for the for at least until March. Uh, and so the, any EV that's within the price cap and any consumer with the, within the income cap can use a $7,500 tax credit. Now, why that's important for Tesla is because several years ago, they actually went over their specific cap. It used to be the case that if you sold over 200,000 EVs, you no longer had these federal tax incentives. And so Tesla buyers, regardless of their income and regardless of the price of the vehicle, haven't had the ability to get $7,500 for some time. And so that kicks into next year. Now, what Tesla has done, because like we talked about, demand in the U.S. appears to be waning a little bit. Uh, at the beginning of December, they gave their customers $3,750. $3,750 in a price reduction if they bought their vehicle and de- got it delivered by the end of the year. After this news came out from the Treasury Department yesterday, they actually upped that overnight to 7500 So, you know, um, I, I have to say, Mom always said that if companies cut prices, that that's not a good sign. And so I, I hmm. think that, you know, uh, based on that, we could surmise that demand environment isn't necessarily great right now for, for Tesla or for anyone else uh, supplying the marketplace. So, uh, generally, we think it's a, the Inflation Reduction Act is a very, very, very positive thing for our sector. It's the biggest uh, bill and the, and, and the most subsidies given to renewable energy in history. And it's going to impact in a positive way EVs, uh, nuclear, solar, wind, and battery storage. It's just a wide-ranging bill that is going to have a massive positive impact for our space over the next decade. George, I, I looked up actually the, the build-out of the interstate highway. I was telling Wolfgang this actually yesterday. Um, Eisenhower in the 1950s. And that was actually for defense that they did it. So they, they thought that they had to have be able to travel you know, throughout the U.S. on interstate uh, very efficiently. The cost of that was $114 billion. So inflation adjusted, it's around 550 So how, how big is the Inflation Reduction Act and where do you see it benefiting the most? I know you mentioned a couple spots. Um, my understanding, I think, is hydrogen maybe one of the, the most. But where do you see the benefit flowing through very quickly? So uh, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, is th- it's been spent. Now, the number could move up from what I understand, but it's $369 billion. And you're right to point out hydrogen in that you know, we, we cover a company called Plug Power, for example. And, and they, they assume that their cost of hydrogen production in a couple of years will be about $4 a kilogram. 
The Inflation Reduction Act subsidizes three of that. So the price of hydrogen will go of clean hydrogen will go from four dollars a kilogram to one dollar a kilogram. Wow. Now, uh, the energy efficient equivalent to diesel is one kilogram of hydrogen equals one gallon of diesel. So it's like buying a gallon of diesel for a dollar. And but the only issue is that we don't have the infrastructure that diesel does. We don't have the trucks. We don't have the pumps. We don't have the pipelines. So. This is a huge, huge positive incentive to adopt and build the infrastructure for hydrogen. It's just going to take a long time, and um, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of capital to build that all out. And hopefully, the Inflation Reduction Act does a lot of those things. And by the way, hydrogen, I'm, I'm speculating here, was one of the most heavily subsidized parts of the Inflation Reduction Act because there are a lot of very powerful politicians who live in states that have traditional fossil fuels and things like and things like hydrogen look and feel like traditional fossil fuels. They, they get transported through a pipeline. You can pump it. So it's, just, it's, it's that stuff that made that the most highly subsidized part of the Inflation Reduction Act, in my opinion. Shows Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. Just spent some time with uh, George Enriquez. George, I cannot thank you enough uh, for that discussion. Uh, again, it... it, it, it unfolding right before our very eyes uh proverb may you live in interesting times i don't think you can argue with me that we currently are uh my friend merry christmas to you george um i wish you a safe holiday and i look forward to reading your work in the new year um jack you work you support the new market food bank great cause uh can we donate stock to them we'll find out after the uh, break wolf all right they're going to do just that. We're going to talk with the New Market Food Bank uh, close to Jack's heart and uh, see what we can do to help the cause. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back, my friends. Just watching that video as we play the music to you, and I cannot believe how young Bono looks. Duh. <laughs> oh, time flies. Time does indeed fly. And things change. I'll tell you something that's changed that's very disheartening. Uh, Ipso poll tells us in November 22% of Canadians. Uh, used some form of charitable services to make ends meet. 22% of us use uh, a service to help us get through the day. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, Jack, 
your coach. Congratulations on your coaching success. Your coach of the year, in my mind, doing a great job. And your team is privileged to have you. If you're listening and you uh, are uh, one of Jack's uh, <laughs> little players or parent, you're lucky. Very, very. I pay big bucks for this guy to hang with me. You get him for free. Okay, for five hundred bucks, uh, please. You're free. I pay big bucks for this man. He's worth every penny. But Wolf, it's, uh, it's success on and off the ice, right? Teach the kids leadership on the ice and in the community. And that's what we're doing right now with our next guest, Ada Bain. Uh, we're doing a community food drive. We did it last year very successfully, and we continue to give back. Uh, welcome, and thank you for joining us, Ada. Um, so you are with the New Market Food Pantry. Pantry. Uh, Jack, show me a picture, by the way, of your pantry. I was, I was shocked. Uh, it looks like a... It looks like a little food court. Uh, you're ta- you're, well, you're talking about the community refrigerator, Wolf. So there's two parts of the, the food pantry. Well, so, maybe, so maybe Ada can speak Please. to those. Yeah, good morning. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, yeah, so first of all, I'll, I'll echo those sentiments on Coach Jack doing a tremendous job this year. Uh, just to touch on the hockey before we get going here. So, yeah, essentially... Um, you know, I guess I'll start with one of the toughest questions I hear about five or six times uh, every day, and it's how are things going at the New Market Food Pantry? And it's a, it's a very tough question to answer because on the one hand, things are very dire. You know, you guys have already said a couple of the stats, but our client use right now is up 60% from the beginning of the year. Uh, one in eight Ontarians accesses a food bank. 33% of our clients are under the age of 18. Um, so in that, in that sense, the need is great. Uh, you know, food insecurity was on the rise pre-COVID, but, um, you know, the pandemic has since exacerbated the issue. But on the other hand, our support, uh, our community angels, the community champions, they're stepping up. We have a call to action. And at the end of the day, you know, people are getting fed. People were, were offering hope. Some of the most, uh, you know, words we hear from our community are hope, opportunity, uh, security. So at the end of the day, and that's all thanks to our, compu- our, our um, community partners, people are getting fed. How many people do you think you service uh, on a weekly or monthly basis? Well, on a, on a yearly basis or a monthly basis, we serve about 500 households and about 1,500 individuals every year, or sorry, every month. So that's about 15,000 individuals every year. And we distribute roughly over 550,000 meals every single year. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you, and so you have a kitchen and you also have a place where people can just pick up, quote unquote, raw food, Correct. Yeah, exactly. So we have uh, we have our food pantry, which is the you know our mission of, of feeding people, and that's the uh, that's our hybrid service delivery. So we have a if you think of it as no frills, superstore, metro, what have you, our clients can come in, they can shop. Uh, you know that that provides the dignity, the flexibility, the choice. It's uh, it's an in-house shopping system. They come in and they do their own shopping. So we supply two weeks worth of food. Uh, and anybody who can't come into the food pantry, we also have a volunteer delivery service where, you know, a couple times a week we have volunteer drivers come to the food pantry. We have prepackaged hampers and we get them out into the community for, uh, for our neighbors in need who are unable to, uh, to get up to the food pantry for whatever reasons. So that's, that's, that's our, our main model. But we have a community fridge as well that's, you know, been initiated, you know, since June 21st, actually, is when it, when it launched. 
and it's essentially a uh, a public repository, you know, for people to put fresh donated foods that anyone can take from for free at any time. Um, it's designed to facilitate access to nutritious foods and really reduce waste cost. So when we were doing, um, you know, our due diligence for this project, we really reached out to people to see, you know, what the need's going to be. And truly, we we were blown away by how uh, often this service is uh, accessed. So right now, we actually have a fill the fridge campaign where local businesses sign up to fill the fridge every day. And right now, between December and January, we already have two businesses each day committed to filling the fridge. So just to give you a stat on the fridge in the past two months alone, we put in over 15,000 pounds of food with a monetary value of over $50,000. And that's just the, uh, the food that we know of. So we have local partners such as Little Caesars who supply us with pizzas. We have Nature's Emporium who, um, you know, they're, they're, they're hot plates with their deli products, their produce, their prepared foods, and Starbucks also donates as well. So this is just local organizations donating and supporting to the community fridge above and beyond any individual who really goes down there as a, uh, as a team building, as a leadership opportunity to put food in the fridge with their kids, with their neighbors, or with their, you know, with their hockey team, with their association um, or organization. We're speaking with Ada Bain. Um, he's with the New Market Food Pantry. I uh, just want to wrap it up. I get a couple of key points in here for you to help the cause. Number one, um, people do obviously donate cash to the pantry and then you use that cash to buy food to, to stock the quote-unquote shelves? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so, so, so people can donate cash, which means can people... I don't want people donating food. I don't want people donating. You say, what are you saying? Or, well, stop it. No, I'm going to continue. I want people donating stock that has a big, juicy capital gain in it. Why? Because this way they can actually give a lot more and get a nice uh, tax credit. Um, Jack and I had a couple stocks. The stock to give away for us this year is ExxonMobil or CNQ, but we took the profit on CNQ, so we're giving away Exxon stock. Eh? Uh, so people can people give stock to the New Market Food Pantry? Yes, they can. Great, uh, great question. And yes, they can. Uh, and again, I want to repeat, why, why you do that is because you don't want to pay the capital gains tax. Look, if you go and sell the stock and then write a check, you got to pay capital gains tax if it's outside an RSP, as long as your advisor gave you some good stocks that went up a lot. Our clients have that privilege. They, they have, Wolf. And the fact is, we've had a lot of clients. We send out a lot of notes. They have a lot of gains this year. Everyone knows the market's been challenging, but they still have embedded gains and they're able to give to charity. And well, you know, Jack, I'm going to say, and I'm not a terribly religious man, I'm spiritual but not religious, um, but I will say Jesus is the reason for the season. We know that. And Jesus said to help your fellow man. You and I are doing that. We, we, we've, we've motivated umpteen clients to give money to the, the Wolf and Bay Street Covenant House page, uh, and clients, we encourage them, to, you don't charity pick one, just call us and we'll donate stock for you, and they're doing that. Jack, you got 30 seconds here. <laughs> I would just add, Wolf, people do have different resources. I know it's very challenging this time of year. I would encourage everyone to give something that's meaningful to them. That's the line. Well, the New Market Food Pantry is meaningful to Jack. It's meaningful to Ada Bain. You guys are donating your time and your passion to a key important cause. I want to say God bless both of you for doing all of, well, for doing Jesus' work. Uh, Merry Christmas, my good friends. Happy Hanukkah. Um, For the rest of us, it's Festivus. Have a great weekend. 
You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.